Melissa and I were first married, we didn't have any furniture. And my nephew, actually, he reflects every once in a while on how he remembers, as a little boy, coming to our apartment to watch a movie, and the only furniture we had were cardboard boxes, and he remembers sitting on a box to watch a movie. And so friends of ours, who were slightly well-off, more well-off than we were, uh, they had a basement apartment and two couches, decided that they would give us one of their two couches. And so that old brown couch has been with us for 21 years. And so I had to take a photo of it um, for nostalgia's sake, because Owen's away at school, and it is, it is a part of his family. So I had to let him know about that. So we got ourselves a new couch. And the new couch that we got was also an old couch. It was on Kijiji. And last weekend, Melissa and I went by to take a look at it, and we said, yeah, this looks good for us. And we gave, uh, arranged to give the girl some money. And then later on, as Melissa and her, uh, the person who was selling it, were emailing back and forth, um, she says, actually, she says, I kind of know you. And she goes on to explain how she said, I knew I recognized you guys when you were in my house, and I couldn't figure it out, so I creeped on Facebook, and I realized I've been to Elevation. She said, Graham and Rachel Watson are friends of ours. And she said, anyway, so Jude and I went back last Sunday to pick up the couch, and she said, uh, I told her, I was like, yeah, I heard you guys have a, a connection. She said, it's such a small world sometimes. And how many times do we find ourselves saying a similar kind of thing? We run into this, this, some person, we have this random connection, and it's like, man, it's such a small world. Now, that's partly because we live in a relatively small city, and you're going to run into people like that. But sometimes the circle is even broader. We run into someone maybe from across the country, or we find out a connection across the continent, or sometimes even around the globe. In many ways, our world is shrinking, and every passing generation feels a higher level of interconnectivity with people that we will never see in person. You see, there was a time in world history where other people were just unknown. You didn't even know. Like centuries ago, you didn't even know people on the other side of the world existed. Like that's the way it was. And then as a result of exploration and, and, and communication channels, that began, th those people who were unknown, they began to become known, but, but kind of unknowable. So you knew about them, but there was no way that you could ever know someone on the other side of the planet. And here in our own day, you can not only know about someone on the other side of the planet, but communication allows us to, to know people and be actively involved in the lives of people much different than us on the other side of the world. It's fantastic. But awareness about the wider world isn't enough. Awareness doesn't meet the real needs of people that we might feel much more connected to. So how do we increase that connection? Well, this psalm that was read for us this morning, it's a beautiful expression of trust in God. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What an incredible reminder of who God is. Our God is the maker of heaven and earth, the God who helps. The psalm then turns outward, and it draws the attention of whoever is listening to the ready assistance of God, who will watch over you who will keep you from all harm. And so it's this announcement. I know that God is my helper, and he's your helper too. And God is most certainly able to do this. If humanity is only now coming to appreciate the potential of globalization, well, God's heart has always been global. When we read the story of Scripture, we read about God's interaction with this particular group of people in the world, but God's heart has always been for all people everywhere. But words like these, about how God will take care of people, they shouldn't take away the sense of responsibility that is ours. 
There's this great commercial on TV right now. It's for a telecommunications company. And it starts with this picture. It's dark because it's at night, and this girl is, teenage girl is driving her vehicle, and the vehicle breaks down at the side of the road. And at the beginning, you see this little scene, and her father's sitting there in the, in the passenger seat, and he's like, it's okay, honey. You're going to be all right. And he starts kind of talking through what she needs to do to be careful. And then by the end of this little 30-second com commercial, they show a clip of the empty passenger seat, and then they show the father. He's far away somewhere talking to her on the phone, and this company is just like, we're bringing people together. You can help your daughter even when you're on the other side of the country. And so I went to the website, and they have this line. They say, we believe in the power of human connections to make being there possible. I was like, that's great. I want to sign up for your services. No, I thought, that's great, because that is getting at the heart of what I want to talk about this morning. This idea that there is a possibility and a potential for us to connect with people that are far away from us. Yeah, yes, in the rush of daily life, we can forget that beyond the comfort of our own community is a world filled with people just like us, many of them struggling to get by. God has always been at work abroad, and he is inviting us to embrace our role as partners in loving our neighbors well. And so this morning, we're going to get a close-up look at the work of two of Elevation's mission partners. Nikki and TK are here with us this morning, and they're going to share about the work that they are doing in Ghana. When we talk about mission at Elevation, we're referring to the ways in which followers of Jesus partner with one another to bring and to embody the good news of Jesus outside of their own spheres of influence, whether that's regionally, nationally, or in this case, globally. Without even getting on a plane, we are able to meet the real needs of our global neighbors by partnering with the good work being done in Ghana by Nikki and TK. So when we hear words like Psalm 121, yes, God is our helper. He is the maker of heaven and earth. But we too are helpers. We have a responsibility and a calling to help one another. And so this second short reading that Mel shared with us from John 17, Jesus praying to his father says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And the them that he's referring to is his disciples, and he also says, and all who would believe in me because of the message they, sp they spread. And so that includes us. We are implicated in this calling to get out into the world and to share God's love and practical help and care with the people around us. Nikki and TK have responded, and their response is also an invitation for us to respond, to pray for them and our other mission partners, to partner with them, and to perhaps even go ourselves. And all of these different options I want us to think about as we listen to their story this morning. We're going to start off by watching an extended video which was produced that shows us the inner workings. It shows us the beginning of their work with Future of Africa, and it shows us just how God has been working in and through them. So this is going to give us a great sense of what they're doing on the ground, and then Nikki and TK are going to come on up and share a little from their own hearts. Accra in the street is not easy. We have many challenges. They have been using air conditioning, so when we will go and sleep there, when the mosquito tries to drink our blood, the air pushed the mosquito aside. Me, I've been getting malaria. So we have been sleeping there, and people have been complaining that why these people are sleeping there. 
because many bad people looking for us and then they use a stick or a stone or a belt to hit us or clean us. The place is too dangerous. Sometimes some people pour glue into other people's ears. Some of them will steal your things. You can't bear to stay there. to clean the car glass and then they'll give us money in the traffic. Many people have been begging with us, the people that have the blindness and then the cripples. When you are walking around the city, people will say, in future, these are the people that will become thief. One day I was just returning from dropping my brother off at the bus station and when I got here I realized there were some kids playing next to this um, wall by the mall and when I when I saw them I was a bit conflicted I, I was wondering you know why are these kids here why are their parents and it was a little cold and I was I was thinking a lot about about faith and our responsibilities as as Christians um, we're supposed to live life like Christ and he spoke a lot about the values of service, compassion, justice. And I felt guilty about just driving away. So I went around the, the runabout and I went back to where the kids were. And as I drove closer, my, my heart started beating faster because I, I didn't know what questions to ask them. Um, but I did it anyways. When I got here, I noticed one of them was up and I rolled down my, my glass and I called him over and I, and I asked him, what are you doing here? And he said, this is, this is why I sleep. He said he goes over to the intersection to, to wipe windshields. Sometimes he makes enough for a meal a day. Sometimes he goes to bed hungry. And the day I met him, he hadn't eaten since um, the previous morning. I decided every weekend I would make jollof rice and then I'll come into the street and hang out with these kids. And I made a promise to myself that I'll be consistent. And then even if they don't talk to me, I'll still show up anyways. kids on the street about three years ago and I joined him a year ago after we got married and our progress really developed organically it kind of showed itself over time as we were present and were faithful in joining the kids on the street and understanding their reality it kind of became obvious to us what we needed to do it's not easy to walk up to a street corner where there's a whole bunch of kids that everyone else deems wild and like social deviance, that's really intimidating for a lot of people. What I've experienced in my own life is that you have to embrace that discomfort of leaving your, your area of expertise, your comfort zone, 
and you have to be daring enough to go beyond whatever that physical or mental barrier is that gets you to the other side where other people are and you realize they're not just other people, they're human beings with incredible stories to tell you. Every Saturday we, we run this street outreach program. In Accra, there's an estimated number of about 65,000 kids living in the streets. But every week we see about 80 of them. This is the time they tell us about their week, what went wrong, what went right. If some of them have any health issues, uh, they talk to us about it. If we can provide first aid on site here. I'm going to wrap it. You have to keep it dry. So this is our time to really connect and, and, and bond with them. president. We have a few students from Ashesi University and University of Ghana that come into the street to hang out with the kids living here. We need for my children. <laughs> the children, and then we'll have a conversation about how they envision their future. That's the topic for discussion today. I met TK about two years ago when he started working at Ashesi, and I started talking about how I'm involved with children and he also opened up to me about his organization, Future of Africa. And for me, it goes beyond what they're being taught in the classroom. It's more about how can we immerse them into context where they can understand the nuances of leadership. And I decided and agreed to visit one Saturday on the streets. The, the five years, if we in there. These kids, school survival is daily. It hit me real hard because it just kept bringing to mind so many things about why they are here, where are their parents, what happened to them, is everything okay, are they okay, are we doing enough, we're not doing enough, we need to do more. <laughs> And as much as they do need food and they do need clothing, they need relationship, healthy relationships. Somebody to tell them, I, I want to listen to you. Uh, what you have to say matters. I value what you have to say. So the hope is one day we wouldn't have any of these kids here. We have a school we are building in the Volta region of Ghana. And that school is to give them that formal education. About eight months ago, we took our first two kids off the streets, and they are doing really well in the school, I mean, the Volta region. I was staying with my father in a place called South Labadi Estates. And he was staying there with 
his siblings. But sometimes I grow too stubborn to the extent that he beats me. Sometimes my, my hand will be swollen. Sometimes I can't walk well. But because of that, it made me run away from home. And I lost the first school I was attending. Cyril, I met him in the town called Legend Village. When we are there, we have been talking, walking, playing football. Mm, so I thought Patrick was having the same ordeal. His father wanted to beat him. And that, my father sacked me, you know. And then me and the boy went to the streets. Just there one time when Bratike came, I told him that I want to go to school very badly more than anything. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, let us be thy kingdom come, let us be thy glory. When they bombed me, I never went to a preparatory school before. I don't know how to read. I don't know how to write. Now I know how to read small, small. And then I know how to write small, small. And Blatiki to see me like that, have future, he will let me to continue. So I feel happy that I'm in here going to school because of Blatiki and Madaniki. I want to be a doctor because they are able to restore people to help. I like it a lot. Some doctors even put away their free time to use to take care of some children and some other patients. I like it. First, I want to be a rapper. I want to be a footballer. I know how to play football. I want to be a bank manager. And also, I want to learn Blatiki life, how he's helping people. And me too, I'll follow him, helping people. Well, on the street, most of the times, if it's raining, you don't have anywhere to go. Well, you just have to endure the rain. And being here, there's security here, there's authority here, and I like it that way. Because being here is much safer than being on the street. We also have Tuesday Reflections, where we meet and gather and then talk about how the previous Saturday's meeting went. Well, some of the things that you guys thought was impactful, something that was different or resonated with you yesterday. When I asked them about when they stay on the streets, what do they think about? And one person was like, for him, Operia is everything because that's where he gets food, that's where he makes money, that's where he sleeps. They're, they're not just making money for themselves, they're making money for their poor mother who can't fend for herself. And I realized, wow, these kids are, they've grown up so fast. And he was like, if you're not hard, like if you're not strong emotionally, you break down easily and all the insults will get to you. And the fact that they'll be able to block all the negativity and just forget it and move forward to another car and look for money, that, yeah, that was that was interesting yesterday. Mm -hmm. 
I think at that point during our interactions with them, that's when we get to tell them that Patrick and Cyril showed interest and they showed that they were mature enough and ready to go by the rules that come with going to school. I'm realizing more and more that so many kids are asking about going back to school. A part of me feels like they've seen Patrick and Cyril, they left, they came back, and they've seen how you know, transformation has happened, right? So I wonder if that's where they're getting inspiration from. Being part of FOA has empowered me a lot and has changed my thinking to more than myself, to others. It makes me believe that wherever I am, I can definitely be an agent of change. There's nothing you gotta do for my love Just be you and that's enough No strings attached, I am all yours I see you working, I wonder who you will become I know already you're someone We are attached, I am all yours I am all yours They have a life in them and they have aspirations and they have dreams and that gives me motivation. So my desire, my hope for them is that they can dream of a, of a new reality, of a new future for them, for themselves, and that they would be able to go after that. And they'll know that we'll be with them every step of the way. Good morning. All right. Um, so we hope this video and our stories can inspire you with an example of what happens when you dare to hope for better. When you dare to stop and listen to the voice inside that tells you that this, this is not the way the world was meant to be. When you risk your comfort and give your time and resources to come alongside somebody else who, for whatever reason, is struggling to get ahead in life. We stand here before you as two people that are trying to figure that out in our, in our context. What it means to share our lives with kids living on the streets of Accra. And what it means to open our door and invite people in. We're two people who believe in the possibilities of hope. Miriam, Nancy, and Vera, who you see up on the screens, joined our extended family earlier this year. Young girls on the streets are either commodified for sex or subservience. Their childhood and formative years were spent honing their survival skills, how to scrounge for food money, how to fight off the unwanted advances of men, where to collect the drippings of an air conditioner to shower, uh, what bus shelter to sleep under when the rains come, skills nobody, let alone a child, should have to learn. After a couple of years of getting to know these three girls, Tiki and I grew increasingly convicted of our responsibility to get them off the streets. Up until then, we had experience taking boys off the streets and into our home, but moving girls was a lot more challenging. After all, the body of a young girl in our context is a desired commodity. Tiki and I moved these three girls into our home earlier this year. 
I was a couple of months pregnant, and TK had left his job at the university to work with me full-time on our Future of Africa ministry. There was nothing convenient about the timing. This has been a truth that I have learned time and time again in my life. Helping somebody doesn't come when it's convenient to you. It happens when you are willing to set your agenda aside and pursue what is best for the other person rather than what is most comfortable for yourself. For us, that looks like opening our home to kids from the street when we feel that undeniable prompting from God that this is what he would like us to do and incorporate into our daily lives right now. We bring kids into our home from the, uh, we bring kids into our home from the street when they display characteristics of desiring change, showing respect to others and themselves, and they participate in our street programs. We bring kids into a home setting because we want them to know family. We want to them to know security and belongingness. Our home has become the transition point for kids to go from surviving in the streets to thriving in school. In our home, we teach our kids everything, from how to shower and hand wash laundry to reading, math, uh, to reading and math lessons. We expect them to follow our house rules, um, morning chores and bedtime routines. When there's an argument or trust has been broken, we sit down as a family and we talk about it. All of this is new to our kids, and it's really hard for them. It's not easy at first. So we remind them repeatedly that they belong, that these changes are hard, but we are here to help them. And above all else, they are loved by a good God who has a purpose and a plan for their lives beyond surviving the streets. Miriam, Vera, and Nancy left their families, family homes because of abject poverty and physical and sexual abuse committed by the very adults that they were supposed to trust and be cared by. They came to the streets because even the unpredictability and abuse of the streets was better than what they had to endure in their family homes. Miriam, Vera, and Nancy are currently attending a boarding school where they are excelling in their academics, establishing new routines, and enjoying healthy relationships. We could not be more proud of them. Tiki and I have many plans. Next year, we, in March, we'll be opening a community center in the heart of Accra to run our street outreach programs. And we're currently building a boarding facility so more kids can come and study in our school. And we have plans to develop a vocational training center so all our students have both head knowledge and hands-on skills. But none of these plans compare to the joy we receive watching each one of our kids step into the knowledge that they have intrinsic value, are free to pursue their dreams, and so worthy of being loved. It is when we step out of our comfort zones, go to the other, and care for people as unique individuals that change begins to take root in both us and them. If you'd like to know more about what we do, we'll be in the gym after this, and we would be happy to chat with you. We'd also like to invite you to partner with us. Our ministry is growing quickly, and we have a lot more kids that would like to go to school and are ready to go to school. Our greatest need right now is financial partnership for our programs, but also for us as a growing family wanting to continue this work on a full-time basis. So we'd be honored if you'd consider supporting us so we can extend that care to kids like Miriam, Vera, and Nancy. Thank you. Uh, this is profound, and it's a blessing to have you guys sharing with us here. I'm just going to invite a few of you. If you'd like to come, we're going to pray over them, and I'd like to invite you guys to just, whoever would like to, come up front, and we'll just surround them as a physical sign of, uh, of our support 
and our continued commitment to, to stand alongside you as you grow and build this, this mission and this venture. Why don't we all stand and just demonstrate our solidarity? Lord, we are grateful for you and for your love. And so many of us in this place have been just captivated by your amazing love for us, the mercy, the, the hand that you extend out to us. And God, this morning we're hearing a challenge through a specific story of two people who are extending a hand of love and compassion in a very specific place. And God, we just want to align ourselves with them, our hearts with them. We're grateful for the work that Nikki and TK are doing, and we pray your blessing on them. We stand behind them as their church family, and we want them to know our love and support. So, God, we pray that they would be able to see these dreams that they have ahead of them, these big dreams of a boarding school and of the community center, that they would come to pass, and that they would feel the extended support of others getting behind the good work that they're doing. God, may your spirit be dwelling in them and through them. And we pray for the kids that they're working with, these three beautiful girls, the boys that were shown in the video. God, we ask that you would do a great thing in their lives and that you would do exactly what they're hoping, that they would understand that they are valued and that they are loved and there is a bright future ahead for them. So God, we give thanks for Nikki and TK. We also pray blessing over them as parents. As they've welcomed Elomi into their lives and into their home, we pray that they would be able to love him in a unique way, even as they have been already practicing this parenting role with the kids in Ghana. We pray that they would have your blessing as parents and that you would raise him up to have the same kind of heart and passion for you and for your people as his mom and dad do. God, we ask that your blessing would be with them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.